Valentine's Day 1970, the novel Love Story was released. Now, some of you might remember this novel or this movie that came after it. If you don't, aren't familiar with the book or the movie, perhaps you've heard the most famous line that came from Love Story. Love means never having to say you're sorry. In the movie version of Love Story, that line is spoken by actor Ryan O'Neill as the very last line of the movie. Love means never having to say you're sorry. The American Film Institute said this is the 13th greatest movie line of all time. Of all the movies that have ever been made in the history of movies, the 13th greatest line is love means never having to say you're sorry. I, however, prefer the version from the 1972 movie What's Up, Doc? In this movie, you think that it's not about Bugs Bunny. If you... In this movie, Barbara Streisand bats her eyes at Ryan O'Neill, the same actor who said, love means never having to say you're sorry, sorry in love story. Barbara Streisand bats her eyes at Ryan O'Neill, and she says, love means never having to say you're sorry, to which O'Neill replies, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> I agree with the second <laughs> Ryan O'Neill. Love means never having to say you're sorry is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. We end our series on Relationships 101 today. So we're looking at foundational behaviors and skills that come from Scripture that the Bible gives us to build healthy relationships. Healthy marriages, but also healthy relationships with children and grandchildren, with co-workers, with church members. We've heard scripture call us to encourage each other because encouragement builds relationships. And scripture reminds us to listen to each other because when you listen, you love. Last week we saw that scripture tells us to carry each other's burdens and we were reminded that you can't carry burdens from a distance. But it doesn't matter how good our intentions are, sometimes, sometimes we don't get it right. Sometimes we discourage instead of encourage. And sometimes we don't do a good job of listening well. Sometimes, though we intend to carry someone's burden, we end up pushing them away and they feel alone. We don't always get it right. And this can do great damage in our relationships. That's why love often means having to say you're sorry over and over and over again. Here's our big idea for this morning. Forgiveness is the doorway to restored relationships. Forgiveness is the doorway to restored relationships. James 
Chapter 5, verse 16 commands us, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Confession leads to healing. And when we think about confession, we think about telling God those things that we've done wrong. But confession is also apologizing to people that we've hurt. That's confession too. To say, I have done something wrong in this relationship. And do you know why we apologize, why we confess, why we acknowledge out loud that we have wronged someone else? Why do we do that? So that that relationship can be healed. Confess your sins so that you may be healed. We ask for forgiveness so that our relationships can be healed. But confession, apologizing, admitting that we were wrong is hard, isn't it? We don't apologize because we don't like admitting that we're wrong. We also don't confess. We also don't apologize. We often don't ask for forgiveness because we fear rejection. When we acknowledge that we've done something wrong and ask that other person to forgive us, we give them the power in that moment and we are afraid that they will reject us and push us away. So we just pretend like we never did anything wrong. But if confession is hard, if admitting that we've messed up and apologizing to someone that we care about, if that's hard, the second thing that we're called to in this is even harder. Ephesians 4.32 says, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other. Just as in Christ, God forgave you. If it's hard to apologize, sometimes it is even harder to forgive. Because when you forgive, you remove the penalty from the person who wronged you. When you forgive, you say, I I will not demand justice. You say, I I will not seek revenge. You say, I'm not going to let this offense come between you and me. But when we've been wronged, we kind of want those things. We want justice. Sometimes we want to seek revenge. We want to hurt that person who has hurt us. But we forgive because we want something more. We want reconciliation instead of revenge. We want healing. We want restored relationship. And so we forgive. Forgiveness is the doorway to restored relationships. Forgiveness says you won't let what happened destroy the relationship. That's why Christian author Gary Chapman says forgiveness holds the power to give renewed life to the relationship. The choice not to forgive pronounces the death penalty upon the relationship. Say forgiveness is the doorway to a healed, whole, restored relationship. Because forgiveness alone does not automatically mean that things can go back to the way that they used to be. 
but without forgiveness, it'll never be there. Forgiveness alone does not guarantee that there's going to be new trust and that the relationship is safe. And that you can build a better relationship going forward. Forgiveness on its own does not uh, automatically mean that those good things are going to happen in the relationship. But if there is no forgiveness, then there's no hope for things to be better. Reconciliation to happen. And so scripture commands us to confess our sins to one another and to forgive each other because forgiveness is the doorway. It's the beginning of rebuilding a relationship that has been damaged by those times that we didn't live into the relationship the way that we wanted to. If you've got a Bible handy or your Bible app on your phone, uh, we're going to go to Luke chapter 15. And we're going to look at a relationship that was damaged by choices that one person in that relationship made and how confession and forgiveness made a difference in that relationship. Luke chapter 15, verse 11. This is a relationship between a father and a son. You might know this as the parable of the prodigal son. The story of the lost son, we might also call it the story of the forgiving father. Luke chapter 11, Jesus teaches, there was a man who had two sons, remember that, how many sons? Two. The younger one said to the father, father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Father, give me my share of the estate. Let let me translate that for you into language you understand. Dad, I wish you were dead. I'm tired of waiting for you to die so that I can get my share of everything you have worked over your lifetime to build up. So dad, could I have it now? And I'll just pretend like you're dead. We laughed. That's what he's saying. I'm tired of waiting for you to die, and so I'm just going to act like you're dead. This is a a son saying to the father, you're dead to me. So give me my money now, and I'll leave you alone. So the dad divided his property between his sons. Not long after that, the younger son got together all that he had. What does he have? He has what his father gave him. And the young son set off for a distant country and there squandered his wealth in wild living. Here's a son who said, Dad, you're dead to me. I'm going to take... I'm going to take money that you've given me that you've worked hard for over your lifetime and I'm going to go out and I'm going to party with it. And he partied until there was no money left. Some of you probably don't have to imagine what this father felt like. There's a good chance that some of us in this room know exactly what this feels like because we've been there. 
we've seen a wedge in a relationship between us as parents or grandparents and our kids or our grandkids. Maybe that wedge came between you and your parents. Maybe it's between you and a spouse that you thought would be on your side forever. This is a relationship that is hopelessly broken. Clearly it was broken before the events of this story. For a son to say these things to his dad, that already tells us things were not on a good footing at the beginning of the story. But then when the son makes these choices and does these things, he is putting what seems to be a hopeless wedge between him and his father. This relationship is broken in ways that seem to be irreparable. And after the son, this is verse 14, after this younger son had spent everything, after he had wasted all his money in partying, there was a severe famine in the whole country and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his field to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. This is a son who has reached the lowest point he could reach. We assume, because Jesus is telling this story, that this is a Jewish family, uh, family from Israel, and under Old Testament law, they were forbidden to eat pigs. They were Forbidden to touch pigs. They were forbidden to raise pigs. And this son has fallen so low that the only job he could get was doing something that he knew he was forbidden to do, to care for the pigs. And he was so hungry and had so little resources left that he started thinking that the stuff that the pigs ate looked good. Anybody here ever feed pigs? They'll eat anything. (laughs) And it usually does not look good. But he started saying, oh, I wish I could eat this pig slop because I'm so hungry, but no one even gave him that. Here's the very next verse. When he came to his senses. I hope that you are the kind of person who can develop some good sense by reading the word of God, by participating in a strong church, by learning from mentors and parents and grandparents who have come before you and that you will listen to what they have to say to you and they will teach you things that you need to learn but many of us are not going to develop sense we're not going to gain wisdom until we have messed it up for ourselves When did he come to his senses? When did this son begin to gain wisdom for himself? It's when he hit rock bottom. 
And for many of us, that's when our life started to turn. Is when there was no farther left to fall. We started to realize, I I can't keep going the way I'm going. We started to realize we should have listened to our parents and our grandparents. We should listen to the Word of God. And that's when we begin to make turns in our life. Too many of us, it's when we hit bottom like this guy did. So now when he's hit rock bottom, he starts to realize the reality of his choices. And he says, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. That is confession. That is a meaningful apology right there. I notice as I listen to people, whether it's apologizing in their family, apologizing to their parents or to their kids or to their spouse, or whether it's people apologizing in the public sphere, We are not good at this. And what the prodigal son does in this moment, as much as he has messed stuff up in the past, he has got it right here. We can learn a few things from his apology, his confession. He begins, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. You know what he's doing? He's accepting responsibility. And he's saying, I was wrong. Notice what he doesn't say. He doesn't say, I was wrong, but. Father, yes, I've sinned against heaven and against you, but you did these things, and so I had to do this. How often do our apologies, our confessions, include the word but? That word but signals you're not really taking responsibility for your choices. Yes, it takes two to tango. (laughs) Yes, there's a good chance that the other party was a part of creating the situation that led you to do the things that you did that created hurt. But in this moment, You want to put the restored relationship above spreading the blame around. And so you say, simply, I was wrong. I should not have done this. And you accept responsibility for the choices that you have made. Right here, in this moment, And my work as a pastor separates marriages that are healed and marriages that fall apart. Children and parents who are able to reconcile and come back together and those who find a deeper wedge. 
See, because there are some people that when they have hurt the other person are deeply sorry for the choices they made and the, and the hurt that is caused. Other people are just sorry that they got caught. <laughs> and I have seen people hit rock bottom and say, I was wrong. I should not have done this. when they say that to their spouse or their child or their parent or their co-worker or their church member, that began the possibility of rebuilding that relationship. But people who say, I was wrong, but never fully take responsibility for their choices and they just want to be let off the hook. And those relationships usually don't make it, in my experience. So the first thing he said, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. He accepted responsibility. He said I was wrong. Then he goes on and says, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. I I, I think what he's saying here is, I'm sorry. I've betrayed you, I've done things that hurt you, and I am deeply sorry that I have done this. Now listen, he doesn't say, I'm sorry if. Almost every apology that I see people making in public on Twitter, on the news, in press conferences... Almost every apology they says, I'm sorry if. I'm sorry if I hurt you. I'm sorry if you took that that way. What that does is it pushes the, uh, the responsibility away from the person who did or said the hurtful thing onto the person who was hurt. I'm sorry if you were hurt. What does that communicate? That you aren't really sorry that you did the thing you did. You're just sorry that they got bent out of shape about it and now you have to deal with it. Does that sound like that's the kind of apology that would lead to a restored relationship? No. That's just somebody who wants to get out of jail. They want to get out of trouble. When you were truly sorry that you have hurt someone, don't say, I'm sorry if you were hurt, if you took, I'm sorry that I hurt you. Whether you meant to hurt them or not, acknowledge that you did and that you're sorry that that happened. And why do you do that? Because you value this relationship more than you uh, value the consequences that come to you. From expressing your sorrow and taking responsibility. This is all about wanting to put the relationship back together. And when that is your goal, you enter into your apology, into your confession in a different way. He says, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. I'm sorry that I did this. And then he says, make me like one of your hired hands. I think this is him trying to make restitution. He's saying, how can I make this right? 
I want to be back in a relationship with you, Father, but I know I have hurt you so bad. My choices have messed up this relationship so much. I'm not sure there's a path back to us being father and son. But I want to be in a relationship with you again. You treat your servant so well. Can I just be one of those? And this is him saying, how can I make this right? When you apologize to somebody this way, I was wrong, I'm sorry, how can I make this right? You were on the path to actually restoring the relationship. And most of the time when you apologize to someone and the apology doesn't go well, they don't respond well, it's usually because you messed up in saying I was wrong or I'm sorry or how can I make this right? So the father, I mean the son, acknowledges the hurt that he has caused and comes up with this apology. And he does something else that's not, if, if this is really serious, you know what he did? He came up with this ahead of time and he practiced his speech. Sometimes that's a good idea. To prepare ahead of time for how you're going to apologize and mean it. Verse 20, so he got up and went to his father, and I can assume he's practicing his speech the whole way. Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. That's like half of his speech. But the father cuts him off. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. The son starts into his prepared speech and he gets about halfway through and the father cuts him off with forgiveness. The son is afraid he's going to cut him off with rejection. That he's going to send him away. But you know what the father wanted more than he wanted justice? He wanted a relationship with his son. And so he forgave. The father was quick to forgive because he wanted this relationship restored. When you are tempted to hold on to unforgiveness, when you were tempted to hold on to a wrong that someone has done for you, done to you, and seek revenge and seek uh, justice that you want to make them feel as bad as they made you feel. When that's what you want to hold on to, you've really got to check yourself and ask, is that what I want? Or is what I really want is a restored and healed relationship? Do I really want my spouse to get what's coming to them? Or do I want a good marriage? 
Do I really want my kids to be miserable because they said those horrible things to me? Or do I want a good relationship with them? And so if they come, if they return, choose to be quick to forgive. Because forgiveness is the doorway to restored relationships. Remember how many sons were there? Two. There's an older son in this story. He's not, he's not so eager to forgive his brother. He looks at what his brother did to his dad. If you go on and read the story, and he is angry that the son is home. He's angry that the dad forgave him. And he's angry that the dad threw a party to welcome him home. And so when the party starts, the older brother doesn't show up. The older brother doesn't show up. In the end, who's the one who's miserable? The one who doesn't forgive. Choosing not to forgive often makes us miserable and, meet, and we miss many good parties. <laughs> because forgiveness is the doorway to restored relationships. Nobody plans to hurt their spouse, to hurt their kids, to hurt their grandkids, to hurt their parents, to hurt a friend or a church member. No, nobody plans to hurt somebody. But we don't always get it right. We don't always live up to who we're called to be. And when that happens, relationships are damaged. But forgiveness is the beginning of restoring those relationships that matter to us. So today, two questions for you. Who do you need to ask for forgiveness? That's James 5.16. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Who do you need to go to this week and say, I was wrong, I'm sorry, how can I make this right? Who do you need to ask for forgiveness? The second question is, who do you need to offer forgiveness to? Who who do you need to forgive? Be kind and compassionate to each other. Ephesians 4.32. Forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Did you hear that last part? Forgive each other the same way that God forgave you through Jesus. Forgive the same way God forgave you through Jesus. Each week we gather together as a church body and we remember and we celebrate that we have been forgiven through Jesus. And we who receive forgiveness are to give forgiveness the same way. Forgiveness is at the core of Christianity. It's the air that we breathe. We breathe it in. We receive it for ourselves. And we breathe out forgiveness. We give it to others. Forgiveness is the doorway to restored relationship. Maybe today, where you need to begin is 
Not asking a person for forgiveness, but asking God. Maybe that's where you need to begin today. See, this story about the prodigal son, the lost son, it's not really just a story about a son and their dad. It's a story about every one of us and our God. preached on this passage once 20 years ago. Guy had just started coming to church and it deeply affected him and we met to talk about it afterwards. And he said, Pat, if you'd known what I've done, if you've known the choices that I've made, I didn't think there was any chance for forgiveness from me. I was that lost son. And I said, well, it sounds like like what's going on in your life is what we talk about when we say that we've accepted Christ into our life. I think you're doing that right now. And he said, well, maybe, but really, it's not that I've accepted Christ. It's I realized for the first time that God accepts me. If you think you're the You're like the son who's done so much that God could never forgive you. Hear in this story that God is quick to forgive. And if you would just turn to him and say, God, I'm sorry I was wrong, then he's going to wrap his loving arms around you. He's going to say, welcome home, my child. You can become my son and my daughter again. And let's throw a party to rejoice that the one who was lost has been found. Maybe that's where you need to begin today. You need to say, I'm sorry to God. And then you need to follow that up with saying, I'm sorry to someone else. And know that no matter how they respond, God is quick to forgive when we turn back to him. So we close our service today in prayer and in song. Um, As always, but especially this morning, our altars are open. If you need to come forward and you need to pray about having the strength to apologize to someone, come and pray for God to help you do that. If you you are looking for the spiritual resources to forgive someone, Come and pray that God would give you what you need to be able to do that. Or if today you need to enter into a new relationship with God, you need to come and say, I'm sorry to the Lord. And let him welcome you home as a son or daughter. Our altars are open for any of these things for you to come and respond to the Lord. Let's stand. We're going to sing. And then we're going to pray. But in the meantime, come and let's take care of business with God this morning. Lord, sometimes we are the younger son. And Lord, in those moments, I pray that you would help us to acknowledge and admit our wrong, that our choices have hurt other people, and give us the spiritual strength to go to them and say, I was wrong, I'm sorry. How can I make this right? Lord, if you were calling us to confess and apologize this week, 
Then give us the strength to follow on your call. Sometimes we are the Father. And we are asked to forgive someone who has done wrong to us. Lord, may we have the strength that he has to forgive those who have wronged us because we value their relationship more than we want to hold on to our hurt. But Lord, we confess that sometimes we are the older brother who refuses to offer forgiveness. And Lord, that just leads us to be miserable and keeps our relationships broken. Lord, if we are acting like the older brother, then give us the strength to go into the party, to welcome our loved one home, and to receive their apology and to offer forgiveness because we value the relationship. But Lord, we are super grateful today that you are the Father who always forgives his children when we return home. And so, Lord, today we confess that we have sinned against you in what we have done and in what we have left undone. And we ask you to forgive us as we humbly repent of our sins. And we claim the promise of Scripture that any who will confess our sins, will confess them to a God who is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Thank you, God, for your forgiveness through Jesus and that though we have sinned against you, we can be welcomed home as your son or your daughter. And for that we rejoice. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Go today in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and you who have been forgiven, forgive. Amen.